0: I've never heard of a situation where a business owner just says, okay, I'm just giving this to my content marketing firm, or I'm just giving it to an SEO firm. They're going to do it all. It just never works out that way because no one's going to understand your business and what you're trying to accomplish more than yourself, no matter how much you pay them. So you have to understand some of the basic elements and be involved with the process, or you're just going to be pushing out content that's not going to give you the results that you're looking for.
1: To make money with your business, you need to make sales and to make sales, you need leads. But where do you get those leads? Well, One of the most popular places on the planet to get leads from is traffic from Google normally directed to content on your website. And that makes Google SEO one of the most common aspects of content marketing strategy. But Google SEO can be complicated and you might have a lot of questions about exactly what it is, how it works, and how to get your content to rank on Google. Especially if you're just getting started, Your website is relatively young. You don't yet have much authority with your domain and you're not getting any traffic from Google yet. What do you need to do to start getting your content, your blog posts or your articles to rank on Google and get traffic from Google so that you can tap into this source of leads? Well, those are exactly the questions I'm answering today in my interview with Brandon Gailey. Brandon Gailey is an SEO expert who's been studying Google SEO for well over 10 years. He's also the founder of Rank IQ, one of the top SEO tools on the market. He hosts the popular podcast, The Blogging Millionaire, where he teaches SEO strategies to over 20,000 bloggers. In this interview with Brandon, we go deep and we cover a lot of territory about how to get started with Google SEO, what you should do as your first steps, really a complete system for getting your content to rank on Google. And we also answer many common questions when it comes to Google SEO, like how much content do you? really need? How long is this going to take you? How can you optimize your content for search? How important are backlinks and how can you get them? And when and how should you hire help? All that and more coming up in this packed episode, so keep on listening. Hey there, Brandon, and welcome to Work Less, Earn More. It's great to have you here.
0: I'm glad to be here.
1: Well, thank you so much for taking the time. So what I would love to start with is kind of this scenario. I want to imagine that someone has a brand new website and they're going to be using it for their brand or business. So they want to use content marketing to attract traffic to their website from Google. They're not necessarily going to become a blogger per se, but they want to publish some content on their website, some helpful articles and use that to start attracting traffic via SEO. So given that scenario, what would you recommend they do to start getting that traffic and start using Google for some lead generation as soon as possible?
0: Well, the foundation of being able to rank on Google starts with keyword research and then expands to the number of backlinks you have from other websites and then also deals with the quality of your content and also the frequency of your content, how many blog posts that you can publish each year. The more blog posts you have, the more rankings you have typically, and the more traffic that you have. But we'll start with keyword research, and keyword research comes down to, you want to write 80% of your post on low competition keywords. And new bloggers typically make the mistake of writing about things that they want to write about or that they saw their competition writing about. Especially with the new blog, because you're you're starting from scratch. They call it a domain authority in in the business or, or, or domain rating, which is the score from zero to 100 based upon how Google sees you with having authority. And when you have a brand new blog, you're starting with zero. Now, if you're an existing business that offers services and you're already getting linked to, you may have a higher domain authority and you can rank for higher competition keywords. But even if you have a high domain authority, you want to focus 80% of your efforts on the low competition keywords, because those are the ones that you can go all the way to the top three ranking, which gets the majority of the clicks. And also when you're talking about having a business, having the number one, two or three ranking has the highest conversion rates for getting that traffic to converting to a lead or converting to a sale. So you want to focus on 80% low-competition keywords. The way you find low-competition keywords is you, you need to start with a great tool. The best tools out there are IQ, Hrefs, and SEMrush. And you need to make a commitment to either becoming a keyword expert and understanding how SEMrush and Hrefs work because there's, there are a lot of advanced analytics and those tools are, are designed for SEO experts that know what they're doing. So you'll have to become an expert to understand the tool to be able to leverage it.
1: So let me ask you a couple follow-up questions there. Um, first of all, you mentioned those different software tools. Would someone be using all three of those tools or is one or the other?
0: Uh, you'll, you'll be choosing between Ahrefs and SEMrush. They're, they're both about the same. They're called uh, Total Database Keyword Tools. That means that you have access to all 20 billion terms that people search for on Google. And it's up to you to search using their filters and then looking at the, the top 10 rankings for each keyword. Because what happens is most people that are new to keyword research, they're just going to look when they type in if they're a food blogger, for example, if they type in recipes, they're just going to look at what Ahrefs and SEMrush shows them which is very basic information, which is, starts with search volume. And search volume is only useful if you're placing ads because that search volume means how many times someone searched, for example, a chicken recipe on Google. It doesn't include all the variations of long tails of different types of LSI, very similar things that people search for that have the same rankings. So the key is either become a keyword expert and be willing to spend... 100 hours each year identifying the low competition keywords with high traffic in your niche. Or you can use rank IQ, which is different from Ahrefs and, and SEMrush, whereas they don't give you all 20 billion keywords to search for. Instead, what they've done is they have keyword experts that identify the lowest competition high traffic terms for all of the, the major niches. So right now they have 400 of the blogging niches and business niches defined. So you can just go in and do the drop down menu and find your niche. And then you already have the low competition. And essentially that 100 hours that you have to spend every year has already been done. And you also have a, a lower uh, chance of making a mistake because even when you think you're an expert in keyword research, you can still make mistakes and go after a keyword that you're never going to rank for or doesn't have enough traffic. And in that case, it's wasted. It doesn't matter. Whether you write 3,000, 5,000 words of content, it's just wasted time and wasted content.
1: So is there not a way or does it just take more time in SEMrush or in Ahrefs to filter by low competition keywords?
0: Well, they have filters. So you'll have a false sense that you're getting the the best keywords. But if you're not an expert and you don't know how to dig in deeper in Ahrefs and SEMrush, then you're going to not be able to to identify without a doubt that it's low competition keywords so you'll start with the filters and then Mm -hmm. through those filters you'll identify some keywords but for every single keyword you need to click into the word and then they then samrush and hrs will show you the top 10 results in google and their analysis and that analysis will show the domain authority of each of these, how many backlinks they have, and how much traffic they get. So if your site is a domain authority 23 and everyone ranking on that first page for that keyword that you're thinking about going after is over a domain authority 50, you won't be able to rank for that. The average user doesn't dig down into the analysis of the top 10, they're just using the filters and think that, okay, they've They've used their filters and targeting a lower competition phrase, but in actuality, they can't rank for it. So every phrase is going to be unique and is going to have different competition metrics. So at the very end of doing your keyword research, you have to click in every keyword and look at those top 10 and and identify if your domain authority is high enough to outrank someone else on the first page of Google.
1: So it sounds like if you're willing to do... Do the work, put in the hours, then you can use those tools very effectively and discover some great keywords. Are there any downsides to using the other tool you mentioned? I think you said it was called Rank IQ. Does it come at a much higher price point, or are there any other disadvantages to it?
0: Rank IQ is is designed specifically for for bloggers and, P, and businesses that are maintaining a blog, and their price point is is lower. Than HREFs and SEMrush because they target the experts and the uh, chief marketing officers. For HREFs, it's $99 for their lowest plan. Um, SEMrush, it's $119. And for Rank IQ, it's $49. In addition, Rank IQ has content optimization, AI. So once you find your keyword that's in your, your library from the low competition keywords, you can click. A button that says to run a report and that will create a report identifying all the different areas of content and topics and subtopics that you need to cover in your post and then when you write it it will grade your content from f to a plus plus and also give you the target word count that you need to hit to be able to compete on that first page so getting the keyword is stage one and then stage two is writing the content and making sure that your content covers everything deeper and broader than the competition in a concise manner.
1: (laughs) That sounds like a challenge deeper and broader in a concise manner.
0: Yes. It's just one of those things that over time, a lot of the different uh, tricks that SEO experts used to do to push something to the top of the first page has kind of just fallen away. And what it comes down to is identifying a keyword that, that you have the ability to rank for and then writing a piece of content that covers that topic better than everybody else. And I say concise because a lot of times people will see the target word count of 3000 and those 3000 words has, they have a lot of filler words and filler content in there. That isn't the meat. You want to get straight to the key points that people want to see because that's going to pull them in immediately and keep them reading. If you start writing bunch of filler content that's not really directly related or talking about your personal experience, they're going to hit the back button and that's another part of Google's algorithm is they keep track of how long you stay after they do a search and they also keep track of whether that person goes back to Google for the same search and clicks on a different result. The ideal situation is when someone does a search for your keyword and they click on your URL that they do not go back and click another URL from that same search. And that tells Google that your piece of content answered their question and that that piece of content needs to be pushed up higher in the results.
1: That makes a lot of sense when you explain it that way. Okay. One other question I have about these keywords before we move on to the next step you mentioned, and that is you said, you should focus 80% of your efforts on those lower competition keywords. When you say 80% 80% of your efforts, do you mean in every article that you write, 80% of the keywords you're targeting with that article should be lower competition? Or do you mean that 80% of the articles you write should target lower competition keywords?
0: 80% of the articles. When I started my first blog, I spent six months researching all the blogs out there, the top performing blogs. And I also looked at all blogs in general that, that had a, back then was called an Alexa rating of Twenty thousand or higher, and when I looked through all of those blogs and what they were doing, the one thing that stood out clearly was that there were a group of blogs that had really bad design, very thin content with only three hundred to four hundred words for blog posts. But these these posts were getting a ridiculous amount of traffic, and the rankings they had were stable, and that was because they were targeting these low competition keywords. And when I Started my blog, I focused uh, initially, I did 60% of my content on low competition and then 40% on, on higher competition and other topics that I wanted to write about. But after a year, when I looked at the analytics, 99% of my traffic came from the low competition keywords. And then I eventually moved it to 80% and now 90%. But 80% is kind of that threshold that you want to focus because that guarantees that the time and money you're investing in content is going to return traffic leads and sales.
1: That makes sense. Okay, so let's move on to the next step. Once we've chosen the keywords that we wanna be targeting, what would be the next thing to do?
0: Well, then you, you're focusing on your content and you're, you wanna use some type of AI content optimization tool. I mentioned rank IQ has that. Then you have phrase is another good one, phrase.io. And what that does, is instead of you having to do it old school, and old school would be going to Google and then clicking into the top 30 results in Google and then reviewing each of those posts and seeing the content they're covering. And typically, you'll want to copy every H2 or H3 heading or bolded header into a spreadsheet and then from there remove the duplicates and then that gives you the total topics that are covered by the top 30 in Google. And then you can create your outline from there. Now when you use an AI tool, it uses AI to analyze those top 30 and then creates a list of the topics you need to cover and then ranks them in order of most important to least important. So that helps you top load your content so that the beginning of your content, you're covering the most important things which will pull them in and allow them to keep reading on on the other topics that aren't as important.
1: Well, that sounds like a huge time saver to use AI for that part of the process, at least.
0: Yeah. And AI is, there's a lot of questions with AI right now because people get confused. A couple months ago, Google came out and said that you can't use AI content creators. It's a violation of their terms. So there was a a popular tool called called Jarvis, where you would actually put in your, whatever keyword that you want to write about and it would use AI to create the entire post so it would write a, mm-hmm. a 2000 word post for you in a matter of a couple of minutes and people were copying and pasting that into their post and that recently became a violation of of Google's terms and sometimes people hear AI with content optimization tools and they get scared so use AI to mm. to create your outline and identify the topics you need to cover but do not use AI to create your content. You need a writer, either yourself or someone else to create that content for you using the AI information that you use to create your outline.
1: Good to know. Okay. So with the content written, um, should we move on to talking about then what to do with the content and how to optimize it? Or do you want to talk first about the frequency you are talking about?
0: And we'll start with the optimization first. The, the same AI content tools, they have the report on the content that gives you the topics you need to cover. And then they also have another tab usually right next to it where it's a content grader and assistant. And you'll put your information in there, your first draft, and it will grade your content and it will tell you the other topics that you left out that you need to cover. And then you'll continue writing that ideally until you get – a score that's in the the top three to five percentile. Some tools will do F to A++, other tools will do zero to 100, and that helps you make sure that you're covering everything. And then once you have that, you'll put it into WordPress or whatever other tool that you have, and you'll start working with the formatting. And the formatting is important. Um, If you're doing anything that you're trying to rank for, when you look at the Google results for that keyword, and you see a bunch of titles that are leading with numbers, that, need, that means you need to have a list post that the title is also leading with a number. So the format of that content needs to be short intro, couple of sentences, and then go straight into number one, number two, number three, all the way down. And the formatting of the content plays a, a big part in whether you're going to rank. If you see that Google's ranking how to post or list post for a specific keyword, that's the type of content you need to write and format. So you'll cover the same areas that the AI tools are, co- are telling you to cover, but it will be formatted specifically for what Google likes.
1: What other aspects of optimizing are there beyond formatting?
0: Well, you, you don't have to optimize for specific keywords or anything like that. It's, if you try to do that, you can get into trouble. You'll, it's called, called keyword stuffing, and that can actually push you down. And that's why you use the AI tool to create your outline. And then you write your post from that outline. And you don't try to, to stuff keywords and headers or, or put them in bolded text. Just write a strong piece of content that covers that keyword better than anybody else does. And then fine-tune it with the formatting. Make sure your, your paragraphs are no longer than three, sentence, three sentences long and, and rotating between a three-sentence paragraph, two-sentence paragraph, and an occasional one-sentence because that gives you a lot of white space and gets people reading. The goal is once you have that, that piece of great content, you want to try to get that person to read all the way through, the, through to the end. That's called the average time on page. The higher your average time on page, the more you move up in the rankings because, as I mentioned earlier, Google keeps track of that. And if you're formatting and your content and your the style of post, whether it's list post or how to post is in line with what Google wants, then that's going to allow that piece of content to move to the top.
1: So it really all comes down to targeting the right keywords and then just covering that keyword more thoroughly and better than anyone else is covering. And that's all there is to optimization.
0: It's hard to find your keywords and and using the right tools. And it's hard to create the best piece of content, even when you have Everything that you need to cover, you have to have a really good writer that's doing it, and it takes time. A lot of these posts are 2,000 to 3,000 words, sometimes even beyond that, to be able to compete for that ranking. But it's really simple for what you need to do, and that's choosing a keyword that's low competition that you can rank for, and then writing a piece of content that's better than everybody else. And then, of course, the third area comes down to backlinks, and that'd be the next area to focus on.
1: Okay. Before we talk about backlinks, I have one more question about these keywords. And that is with each of these articles that you are creating, should each one be just targeting one keyword and all the different kind of like subtopics related to that keyword? Or are you actually trying to target multiple related keywords in a single article?
0: You're going to focus on the one keyword. And what happens is, if you write, a, as I mentioned before, you wouldn't focus on the search volume, your estimated visitors per year. The estimated visitors per year is everything that a post in the top 10 is ranking for. And on average, these posts are going to rank for between 100 and 2,000 different keywords. So if you, your target keyword is one word, but there's all these different variations and what are called long tails, which are more specific things that people search for. So a head term would be chicken recipe. A long tail would be chicken recipe that is baked in the oven, quick chicken recipe, easy chicken recipe. All these variations are on there that produce a, a tremendous amount of traffic. And then also the different types of, of ingredients that are going to come up that people search for. And if it's a list posts on something like travel, like the top uh, 50 places to, to see in Houston, Texas, then you're gonna start showing up for some of the 50 places that you put in there. So naturally by writing this long piece of content and covering all the topics, you're not just gonna rank for one keyword, you're gonna rank for hundreds and even thousands of keywords. But you don't have to specifically get in there and try to say, okay, I'm gonna optimize for this keyword. Now you can do advanced things down, down the road when you see that there's what's called Google Search Console, so this is one thing anyone that starts a website, they need to make sure they have Google Search Console set up. and That's going to show you all the things you rank for and all the clicks that each of your posts get. When you go into Google Search Console after your your post has been live for six months to a year, you can see certain terms that you're ranking on anywhere from number two to number 10 for that you may have not covered very well. and Then by going back into your post and adding a paragraph on something that you just mentioned in a sentence, then you can move up higher. So there's a lot of advanced things, but to answer your question, you're focusing on that specific keyword and then the AI will tell you the related topics you need to cover and a lot of those related topics you'll rank for also.
1: We just put the finishing touches on a brand new free business course for all of you who are listening right now because you're just getting your business started. I know that when you are in those beginning stages, there are so many unknowns and it can be hard to grasp the big picture of where you're really taking your business and what you need to do to grow your business and reach your goals for it. I know that because that was exactly how I felt for the first few years when I was getting started and it took me quite a while to understand that big picture. But once I did, I got so much clarity about exactly what I needed to do. So that's why I decided to create this free small business 101 course that gives you that big picture perspective. It teaches you the basics of what you need to do to get your business started, as well as helps you to understand actually how your business is going to make money and how you can set up a sales funnel to drive sales into your business, how you can start working with those customers sooner rather than later. So if this sounds like it would be helpful, to you and you want to get your hands on a free copy of this course, then just head to gillianperkins.com slash 101. Okay, so let's move on now to talk about those backlinks. What role do they play? How do you get them? What do you do with them? Tell me all the things.
0: With backlinks, it's, it's typically where people struggle the most when they have a blog, because you can get the right keyword tool, choose the right keywords, you can have a content optimizer and and write content like crazy. But when it comes to backlinks, you have to earn those. It's not as easy as just, okay, I'm gonna go out and get a tool and pay for the tool and then I'm automatically gonna get backlinks. But the backlinks are the foundation because if you just start with a brand new domain name and you write all the great content in the world, if you never get any backlinks, then you're probably never going to rank for anything, or it's going to be very hard to rank for anything except an ultra-low competition. My recommendations for anyone that's starting out is to invest 20% of their blog time in HARO, which is help a reporter out, and getting podcast interviews. We'll start with podcast interviews because that's what we're doing right now. There's no easier way as opposed as, as actual effort to getting a backlink than a podcast interview. Because when you do a podcast interview, the show typically publishes a post for that episode, and then they will link back to the person that was interviewed, either their blog or any other websites that they have. And most of the time, those are do follow links and those add to your backlinks and give you that solid foundation. Depending upon what niche you're in, it's pretty easy to do. You can go to Apple Podcast and look at their charts or go to another website called Chartable. And it's going to show you the top 300 episodes ranked by most popular for each of these categories and subcategories. You identify the category or subcategory tied to your niche. And then you start from the bottom, working your way up with the number 300th episode. Because the ones on the top, it's going to be really hard to get an interview because they get so much traffic. They, they have big names on their list. But just by starting at the bottom, I mean, it's, it's real easy to have someone connect with you and ask you questions, and, and 30, 40 minutes later talking to someone, now you've got a backlink. And you do that, that's gonna build you up a foundation there. And then the second one was Harrow, which I talked about. This is where now all reporters use this tool, and whenever they have a story and they need a source or a quote, they post it on Harrow. And Harrow sends out emails couple times a day, and it's always at the same time every single day. Now, that's important because you want to set an alarm on your phone five minutes before that email comes in. So you're waiting in front of your email. So as soon as that comes in, you can scan through it and respond to give answers or quotes to the, as, a, as a quoted source. The reason for this is most reporters are on a deadline, and they're not going to wait until everybody submits it and choose the best. They're looking at their emails as they come in. As soon as someone gives something decent, they're taking it and then you'll get a link typically back to your blog or website. So those are the two ones that you definitely wanna focus on, that you're gonna get the best return. Something else to consider, that if you're starting a brand new blog, you can also buy an aftermarket domain. So there's a service called GoDaddy Auctions and everyone's familiar with GoDaddy. And GoDaddy has millions of people that have bought domains and set up blogs and websites and businesses in the past. When those businesses or blogs no longer exist and become defunct, then that domain is given back to GoDaddy because they're no longer paying for it. And then GoDaddy puts that up on auctions. And these domains, many of them will have been successful blogs or businesses that have lots of incredible backlinks. Sometimes from the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, WebMD, whatever niche they're in, it's it's got these backlinks. So you can buy that and then use that as the foundation and start ranking faster and rank for more competitive terms. Now the key when you're doing this is you want to make sure that you're you're looking at the domain authority and finding a domain that is at least loosely related. So a while back I I started my personal finance blog using this technique and I found a high domain authority site, which was a .org that specifically focused on microfinancing in third world countries. It was loosely related to personal finance. You're never going to find something perfect because if you try to find a personal finance blog that is a .com and that's all they do. Chances are it's going to be anywhere from ten to thirty thousand dollars for the domain. If it's loosely related, related, it's going to be closer to five hundred to a thousand. And then you take you write some content. For example, I wrote content on microfinancing and created a category with five to ten posts to make sure that content is covered. And then I, the rest of the blog was on normal personal finance categories. And that's an easy that's an easy way to jump to the top. If it's if you haven't set up your domain yet or you've been struggling with a blog and it hasn't gone anywhere and not getting traffic. And then in addition, if you're thinking about creating a second blog, you can start there and that'll get you faster and, and more rankings.
1: But I assume that that means that you have to then use that domain that isn't your business name or your own name, right? Or is Correct. that not the case?
0: Now, a lot of times, another way to do this is is businesses will have their business domain name and which sells their services and products. And if it's something that's brand new, they can have a second domain, which is using an after market domain that's for their blog. And then they can match the color scheme and a lot of the navigational elements. So it's pretty much seamless to the user because when someone goes to Google, they're, they really don't care about your brand unless, unless you're Amazon or some big name that, that you're aware of for the average business. They're, they're reading the content and, taking action on whatever call to action that you have in that content or on your page. If you have two domains, as long as it's has the same color scheme and the, the layout's real similar, when they click in to do a lead or a service and they go from your aftermarket domain to your current brand domain, they won't see any difference and it's not going to affect. The only difference is you'll be able to uh, get more traffic and that will essentially be a funnel no different than, than cre- having a, a lead page, like with leadpages.com, a lot of times you're not using your domain name and that lead page is coming in and funneling that lead to your business.
1: Yeah. It seems like that could be a strategic marketing move, if nothing else. So now that we've talked about backlinks, let's move on. I think there was kind of like one or two more things you mentioned. One of them was frequency. Was there something else also?
0: Frequency was the other other thing that I mentioned. And it's math at the end of the day, there's been tons of studies on this and it's, you, you do twice the amount of blog posts each year as long as everything remains the same, and you're, it's decent quality content, you're targeting keywords, you're going to get twice the amount of traffic and twice the amount of rankings and the the one growth act that the most businesses and bloggers don't know about and don't consistently use is, would you have your post planner, hopefully they have that foundation, and the post planner has their keywords and and the titles they've created and any extra content or any extra metrics tied to that keyword. And then you use that to identify what you're going to write next. And you, you want to have a post planner with anywhere from 50 to 300 uh, keywords in line so you're not having to stop what you're doing, then go find a keyword and, and add it to the post planner. Now, you want to add a column to that that has your target word count. And the way you get your target word count is you can use one of those AI content tools and run the reports and get the content word count there. Or you can do it old school and just go to the first 10 results on Google, copy and paste the content into a Word doc, divide that number by 10, and that gives you the the average word count that most of the posts have on the first page of Google. It gives you that target word count. So what happens is when you fill out this target word count, in your post planner for let's say your 300 posts then at that point you rank re-rank the entire list by lowest target word count to highest and that's going to allow you to move through the low word counts first which you can sometimes create two three times faster than the higher word counts in addition to that if you're doing this yourself and you don't have a a staff of expert writers that are that you can pay for which is how most small businesses or solo entrepreneurs are doing, this keeps you from burnout. It, what happens quite a bit is that a blogger will will go after a keyword where, where they need to write 5,000 words and do all that research for it. And that the 5,000 words all of a sudden last two, four weeks, and a month has gone by and you haven't published a post. When you finally publish a post, you're, you're burned out and you're like, I, I, I don't want to do this. By having these smaller posts and And being able to get through that, it gives you momentum, and and not only will give will give you more traffic and more rankings because you're publishing more often. That you'll also prevent hitting the wall and just feeling like you don't want to do this anymore.
1: Is there a recommended or minimum frequency that someone would need to meet in order to be able to successfully be ranking?
0: Well, over the years, I've I've had tens of thousands of of bloggers that I've communicated with, whether through my course or, or podcast listeners or members of different services. And what I found is are the ones that had the, the best results during the first year that they launched their blog are the ones that, that wrote one post per day. And it may seem wow, that like much? A, a, a big thing <laughs> to do, but if you can't do one post per day at the very least do three posts per week. But by identifying all these low competition keywords and having a big post planner with hundreds of words, you'll have lots of, lots of these words where the word count is a thousand to two thousand words they're pretty easy to knock out either with yourself or or with someone else on your staff or or outsourcing it to someone else if you just do one per week or one per month it's just not going to happen you have to have enough momentum because even with everything that you do right with your with identifying low competition keywords and and writing the best piece of content you're still going to have a hit rate not every single post is going to get a tremendous amount of traffic and the more that you write, you'll you'll get better hits. And then also you'll identify different types of content that are driving the traffic. And then you can expand on those and, and other related topics and build out content hubs around those. And then all of a sudden, everything that you write about that topic, now the hit rate is close to 100% because Google's already giving you authority on that topic. And then it just makes everything easier because all the call to actions, email upgrades, whatever it is, they're all the same within that content hub. But it starts with frequency. And a few other things you can do for frequency, if you're doing this from home or your office, if you're using a laptop, you need to plug it into a monitor, an ergonomic mechanical keyboard, and an ergonomic mouse. Just by doing this alone, there's only, you can only type so fast using a laptop with the way it's set up. Just by adding that mechanical keyboard alone, that's gonna add 8% boost in what you can write. And that means 8%, just by adding that keyword, you've, you've added 8% more posts throughout the year, and that adds up. So all these little things that you can do like that, and one other thing, just make sure you have a good ergonomic chair if your back starts hurting or your body starts hurting, you're not going to want to to sit there and, and, and write post. And so having all these little simple things, they add up. I think it was uh, James Clear that uh, talked about in his book, Atomic Habits, and he mentioned a study about the British cycling team. And the British cycling team had only won one event since 1908, and they were seen as the worst cycling team in the world over the last 100 years. A man took over it and he said, I'm going to look at every single little thing that, that could make a 1% increase and I'm going to optimize that. So he looked at their, the beds they slept on, the pillows they used, and, and got them the, the right pillows and the beds and took those to the hotels. He looked at the type of tights they wore, the seat they sat on, the rubber they use, all these little things. Not one of them wouldn't make that big of a difference. But by focusing all getting better on all these little things that for racing, they ended up winning three of the Tour de France in four years. They almost swept the gold medals for the next three Olympics. And that's when it comes down to writing posts more often. If you just make all these different little things like choosing the right tool for For your content optimization, for keywords, for your chair, to your keyboard, and even just any little thing that you can do, it all adds up and year over year, you're going to see these returns. So a a keyboard may not sound like much to someone listening to this episode, but the keyboard and all these other things, it does make a difference.
1: I feel like there's a recurring theme through this episode of it's a fair amount of work, but fairly simple. You need to have the right strategy, but once you have the right strategy, fairly simple, right? But it sounds like it would t- require a fair amount of time to get your website to rank in a predictable way. I love how predictable it sounds like it is, though, and how how scientific it is in terms of a method for getting it to rank. Um, But I'm curious if there's someone who they want their website to rank, they want to be getting traffic from Google, but they don't have the time to invest into all this, or they don't want to spend the time on all of this. How could they hire someone? What are some of the different ways they could hire people to help them out and which ways are most effective or would save them the most time?
0: Well, there's a lot of ways to go here. Number one, if you're a big company, a lot of times they hire content marketing firms or SEO firms. The issue there is that you have got to pay a significant amount of money to get returns. If you try to cut cost and use a SEO company that's $1,500 a month, you're, not, you're going to be wasting all $1,500 a month. As opposed to if you did the research, talked to people, found someone, and they charge $5,000 a month. You might get a positive ROI. So, SEO firms, it's, it's, there's a, from a lot of the chatter over the many years, uh, the assessment is that 90% of SEO firms, you're not getting your ROI back. And it's, it's going to be, uh, you're going to, that's why they have contracts. You'll, you'll finish that six month year contract and then you're moving on. And you're going to, and a lot of times people will go from one contract to another just because they don't want to uh, take the time to do this. So my suggestion is to get the keyword tool, get the AI content optimization tool, and that there will allow you to get the right words that you know will convert for your business and fill your post planner and then create the outlines. So at that point, you've got the words and when you, when you process the word, you'll have the outline and then you assign that to a writer that you pay. The best way to get a writer right now is through upwork don't use fiverr Um, fiverr can have some writers but the majority of them are not high quality and when you go to upwork you want to specifically ask for someone that has written content in your niche so when you go to upwork and you you post your job and you people come in you're going to interview them and and look at their previous work whenever you identify the top three candidates. Just like when you're hiring a employee, you're going to identify three candidates, bring them in for a second interview and then make your choice from there. Same thing goes for writing. Don't just hire a writer and say write this. You need to get those three writers and then you're going to assign them the identical keyword and the identical outline so you're comparing apples to apples here. And then you review all three of those writers and whoever writes the best, that becomes the writer that you hire. And a writer, you're going to be looking at anywhere from $30 to $100 per 1,000 words. And when the, higher, the more you pay, the less work you're going to have to do in, in finding someone and then replacing them. So you can find someone for $30 per 1,000 words. Now, you may have to interview more candidates and, and assign them the same identical piece of work until you find someone that's good enough. But another problem there when there are a lot of these people that will do it for $30, they're just starting out. And when they, under, when they start getting more Upwork offers, they're going to move on and no longer be there. So you just have to evaluate that. If, best, if you're new business, bootstrapped, uh, start with uh, I'd say 30 to $40 per 1,000 words with your, with your Upwork job and then choose your best candidate and, and get started. And then they'll, they'll write the rough draft and then you'll take a look at it and you'll turn it back to them for the final draft. And a lot of times you, can, so you may be the, a better expert in certain areas of your business than any writer can, but they can do like 90% of the work and then you can come in there and, and clean it up and add some of your expertise to it. And that, that's the best way to go. Doing the key, keyword research with a tool, your content optimization, writing the outline, and then having a writer that you have them do the, the uh, first draft and then you touch it up. And that way, 90% of the time spent on a post is going to be outsourced, and, but you're still managing it. I've, I've never heard of a situation where where a business owner just says, okay, I'm, a, I'm just giving this to my content marketing firm or I'm just giving it to an SEO firm. They're going to do it all and it's going to, it just never works out that way because no one's going to understand your business and what you're trying to accomplish more than yourself, no matter how much you pay them. So you have to understand some of the basic elements and be involved with the process or you're just going to be pushing out content that's not going to give you the results that you're looking for.
1: I've learned that business lesson in many different aspects of running my business and especially in marketing, same thing with with YouTube strategy, with Pinterest strategy, with Facebook ads, so many different things where if you just try to hire someone without having any real knowledge of the strategy yourself and being completely hands-off, it just never seems to work out. Brandon, to wrap this up, could you tell us a little bit about your company and what you do for your customers?
0: Well, I... the what I do, I run a, a, a podcast right now. It's called The Blogging Millionaire. So that's, that's the, we're all, if you wanna find out more growth hacks and, and everything that I do, and, and so for example, we talk, talked about backlinks today. I have a backlink series where there's, it goes into the details step-by-step step what you need to do for podcast interviews, Harrow, the aftermarket domain, so you can access that in addition to the series on, on po- how to optimize your post titles, update, Old blog posts, internal links. So that's the best way to find information for free that's going to help your business in regards to blogging. I also founded the rank IQ, which I mentioned a couple of times in the episode a year and a half ago. And that is just it's the first uh, keyword content tool set that's specifically for bloggers and for businesses with a blog. And as I mentioned before, we have the Keyword research, where we where we do things differently, where we identify the keyword research for all the niches, and as opposed to someone having to find it on their own, and then it has the content optimization, where it gives you the content report, tells you what to write, and then the content grader. So it's just kind of a, a all-in-one tool, as opposed to having your keyword tool with Hrefs and then your content optimization tool with Phrase. It's all right there, and it's pretty seamless. But that's that's where I'm at right now.
1: Well, thank you, Brandon, so much for everything that you've shared with us today. You're clearly a wealth of knowledge on this topic. I know I learned so much from this episode and that the listeners are going to find it a really helpful kind of crash course into getting started with ranking their websites on Google. So yes, thank you again so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Work Less, Earn More. Now, here's what I want you to do next. Take a screenshot of this episode you're listening to right now and share it out on your Instagram stories. And when you do, make sure you tag me at Gillian Z Perkins so I can see you're listening. Sharing on stories is going to help more people find this podcast so they too can learn how to build their business in a way that allows them to work less and earn more.